Good day. I hope you, everyone had a wonderful and blessed week. We'll be covering Matthew 27 today, verses 27 through 37. And the title of today's lesson is Jesus is Mocked and Crucified. Before we jump into today's lesson, let's go back last week and review what last week's lesson was on. Last week's lesson, we seen that Jesus goes in front of Pilate. And Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. So basically what he does last week, in last week's lesson, he takes a prisoner because it was tradition that on every year of Passover, because Passover represents redemption. Redemption means being set free. So what he did was, it was custom that every year during Passover that the governor would release two Jewish prisoners and he would let the crowds decide. And we know that he picked Barabbas. Barabbas was arrested for insurrection of the crowds. In other words, he started a riot. So some people call him a rebel, some people call him a thug. Some people call him a murderer, right? But he's arrested and he's sit, sitting in prison and here's a man that started a riot and here's Jesus who's innocent. And Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. So he's trying to get Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, off by bringing this guy Barabbas because he knows that the religious leaders in the Sanhedrin doesn't like Barabbas. And Pilate, remember, he wants to keep control. He wants to be in power. But he doesn't want the Sanhedrin to go above him because Pilate might lose his job. Pilate might lose power. Pilate might lose his control. So he's trying to devise a plan in his mind where the crowds would free Jesus, the Messiah, because Pilate knows he's innocent. But we see that it didn't work out because the, pilots, I mean the, the, the crowds become more agitated with Pilate. As Pilate keeps stressing that Jesus is innocent. So Pilate finally says, you know what? I wash my hands. And the scripture says that he took water. He washed his hands and he told the crowds, this blood of the of this innocent man is on you, your hands. And what the crowd says, it's on us and our children, right? So Pilate says, well, then he's going to be crucified. And that's how we left off last week's lesson. So today what we're going to see is Pilate now sends down the judgment according to what the crowd said. And he's going to turn Jesus over to his soldiers. And they're going to prep Jesus to be crucified. So what today's lesson is on basically is that Jesus is mocked by those Roman soldiers. And Jesus eventually will be nailed to the cross and he will be crucified. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. And we'll be starting in verse 27. And verse 27 says this, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into judgment hall. Some of your Bibles might say praetorium. And they gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him. And they put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns. And they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, and they knelt in front of him, and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe, and they put, it, they put his own 
clothes on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. And they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they had and they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, Jesus refused to drink it. Then they had crucified him. And after they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus the king of the Jews. So let's go back to verse 27. And verse 27 states, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into judgment hall, or the praetorium, and they gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Now, we see here that Jesus is no longer in front of the religious leaders. He's no longer in front of the Sanhedrin. He's no longer in front of the crowds. Remember, Pilate had just passed judgment upon him. But what the crowds wanted, because Pilate said, which one do you want me to release? Jesus the Messiah or Barabbas? And the crowd said, Barabbas. Then he said, what do you want me to do with Jesus the Messiah? The one they called the Messiah, which stresses that Jesus really is the Messiah. That's what the scripture is stressing to us. And they said, crucify him. So he passed down judgment because of what the crowd said. Now he's turning Jesus over to the Roman soldiers. And we see that these Roman soldiers are going to take Jesus into judgment hall. And the scripture says that they gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So we see that Pilate hands him over to his soldiers. Now, the soldiers, why is he doing that? Because their job was to get the prisoner ready to be crucified. Their job was to pass judgment on this, but not only pass judgment, not only to prepare him to be crucified, but they also wanted to shame him. You see, when somebody was found guilty of, by crucifixion, they didn't only prep him to get ready to, to be nailed to the cross, but before they did that, they shamed that prisoner. Meaning what? They beat him. They spat upon him, right? They mocked him in any way possible that they could to make him an object of ridicule. So it just shows us right here that what they're doing here, <clears throat> it shows that the world's inability and unwillingness to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, right? So this is to let every reader know that the world has rejected Jesus. And let me ask you this question. What about you? Are you rejecting Jesus today? You see, if you aren't submitting to his words of instruction, then you're going to be headed for eternal shame. You see, Pilate, he didn't care about God. He didn't care about justice. He didn't care about righteousness. He didn't care about, about what was wrong or what was right. Pilate only cared about himself. Pilate only cared about his own position in the world. In other words, he looked at it like this. What can I get from the world? What the world has to offer to me that I can grab, that I can hold on to? So, so we can say that he only cared about his position in the world. He only worried about pleasing the flesh, pleasing himself. But you see, most people today, the decisions they make are based on their own personal interests. 
That's how the world is today. And when you do this, the outcome is going to be very dangerous. Maybe not in this life that we live here on earth today, but it's going to be dangerous because it's going to carry over into your eternal life. And remember what the Bible tells us. It is appointed unto man to die once than to face what? Judgment. My question to you is this. Are you prepared to face judgment? Because you see, we're all going to be judged. Even if you're saved, even if you're in paradise, you're going to have to answer to Jesus. You will be judged according to your deeds, your works, and your sins. See, Jesus knows every thought that you have. Jesus knows what you're thinking. Jesus knows that the sin that you you hiding, that you're not really repenting and you're not really telling. You have to answer for all this. That's why it's important for us, and I keep stressing this every Bible study that we have, is to truly repent daily. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Pour out your sins. Tell Him your troubles. Tell Him your worries. Tell Him your problems. Because you see, He's the only one that can forgive. He's the only one that can bring true peace into our life. Amen? Verse 28. They stripped Him and they put a scarlet robe on Him. So we see here that they undressed Jesus. And they placed this scarlet robe on upon him now the color scarlet <clears throat> plays a very important role in scripture because according to the prophet isaiah in chapter one we see a connection between the color scarlet or the word scarlet and sin see when they place this scarlet robe upon him we can learn something theologically and what is that you ask right the Bible states that Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he never sinned. See, Jesus was righteous. But the scripture tells us, because of my behalf, because of your behalf, because of all of humanity, he became sin for us. See, God placed upon his son, Jesus, who didn't know sin, who had never sinned. Jesus placed upon him sin. And that's the sin of the world. And this is why he had to suffer. He suffered sin for us by the most crucial and barbaric way you can die, by crucifixion. So this is to show us that this garment that they placed upon him. And remember what garment represents. Garment represents works. He represents deeds. It represents behavior, right? Jesus came to serve. Jesus did the work of the Father while He was on earth. That's what garment represents, this garment. But also it can represent this, scarlet. It's to show us, and this is the true meaning right here. It shows us that all of the sins of the world was placed upon Jesus. Verse 29. And they twisted together, they meaning the Roman soldiers. Thorns, crowns of thorns, and they set it upon the head of Jesus. And they put a staff in his right hand. So we see here that they're, they're making a crown out of thorns. They're, they're twisting the thorns together, making it look like a crown shape. And they place it upon the head of Jesus. See, they're doing all this to mock him, 
Why do I say that? Because look at the rest of the verse. Then they knelt in front of him. And they mocked him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. Now, hail means praise. But you see, they weren't serious about praising Jesus. They weren't serious about giving him all glory and honor and worshiping him. See, they're doing this in a mocking way. They're doing this to shame him publicly. They did this not to show any significance to him. And let me ask you this question. Do you see Jesus as significant in your life today? Is Jesus the most important thing in your life today? Verse 30. Then they spit on him. And they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. So there, we see here, the scripture tells us that they're mocking Jesus, they're spitting on Jesus, they're beating on Jesus, and they're beating him with a rod over and over and over. Now this is before he's even crucified, right? We know that the Sanhedrin beat him up before, and yet he's put in front of Pilate, the crowd finds him guilty, and here the Roman soldiers take him and they continue this beating on Jesus. And that's before he's even nailed to the cross. And after they had mocked him, verse 31 says, they took off the robe and they put his own clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. Now, did they have to do all these things to him? Like mocking him, spitting on him, beating on him with a rod? No, they didn't. Now remember, he's not even, he's not even flogged yet. This is before he's even flogging. You might say, what is flogging? Flogging is when they took the whip with the cords and at the end of the cords, they had bone and they had glass and they had metal, right? Because at the end of it was, was, was sort of like a little razor, sharp, where you had pieces of bone in there. And, and on them cords, as they would strike his back and they would pull back, it would pull off the flesh. It would pull off the flesh of Jesus. Because it acted like a razor, so his, his, his skin would be pulled off. They did this 39 times. It was barbaric. It was gruesome. It was to the point that Jesus was unrecognizable, right? Remember, when Pilate first seen Jesus, when the Sanhedrin brought Jesus in front of Pilate, Pilate said, Behold the man. Now, why did he say this? Because his face... He was beaten so bad by the Sanhedrin before he even got to Pilate that Jesus' face was swollen up and Jesus was unrecognizable just by his face. He was in tremendous pain when he goes in front of Pilate. Now they, they, the, the crowds, after finding him guilty, Pilate turns them over to his soldiers and the soldiers continue that beating. They continue to spit on him and mock on him and beat him. He's not even flogged yet when they're doing this. And now that he's flogged, they're fixing to flog him. And they're going to whip him 39 times. And his body, the flesh is going to be opened up and his bones is exposed. His ribs are exposed. He's beaten to a bloody pulp. He, you, I mean, Jesus doesn't even look human. That's the pain and the punishment that he took for you. And for me, this is before he's even carrying his cross. I, I, 
I mean, the normal person, you and me, couldn't even take this beating and we would have died. But you see, God the Father had a plan to send His Son to the cross to take away the sins of the world. Jesus went through all this punishment because He loves us that much. Amen? Verse 32. As they were going out, so Jesus is finished. They're finished beating Jesus. They're finished flogging Jesus. So Jesus just was flogged. And they're fixing to head out to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. In other words, it's Calvary as we know it. And as they're going there, as they're making their way to Calvary, there was a man from Cyrene, the Bible tells us, named Simon. Cyrene was a city in Libya. Today we know it as Libya. Simon means to hear. See, the scripture is telling us here, not just for the purpose to hear, but for the purpose of responding, meaning this. This is what the scripture wants us to understand. It's very, very important that we know how and why we should respond, meaning this. This man called Simon. It isn't by chance that his name is Simon. It's for you and for me. It's for the reader to understand that we need to hear, process, and respond to the Word of God and to the truth of God. That's why it's here. See, it's not by chance that this man Simon, they picked this man Simon to carry the cross, to help Jesus carry the cross. Because that's what they did. They forced this man, though it's in the Scripture says, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene called Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now Jesus is so weak from the beating that he took, from the flogging that he took, that he needed help to lift up. Some of your Bibles might say lift up or raise up the cross. So this man is picked to help Jesus. Now in another gospel, I think it's Luke, it says that this man was walking behind Jesus and helped him to carry, left, helped him to lift up the cross. This is to show us that we too must lift up or pick up our cross. That we too, after picking up our cross, must follow Jesus. Just as this man, Simon, did. Amen? Verse 33. Then they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Now there's two reasons why it is called or named this. See, you got to understand the tradition of the Romans. They wanted to crucify people, and they crucified people in a very public and well-known location. In other words, the location was normally at intersections of major roads and major highways. You see, in this time, there were a restricted number of roads. They didn't have that many roads. And the roads that they did have was, was highly used. So people would travel these roads. And where roads connected, where roads came together and they crossed over, normally it was at major cities, major trade routes, so to speak. And many people would go through these intersections, would go through these routes. So the Romans would crucify people in these locations out in public. In other words, they did that for one reason, and that was to discourage people from crossing them. 
In other words, they were saying that if you disobey us, that if you do the wrong things, if you come against us, that this also is going to happen to you. Now, some people say this mountain where Jesus was crucified at Calvary, as we know it, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Back some 2,000 years ago, it looked like a skull. That's why it's named this. But some scholars also believe this. The place that they would crucify people, you see, Jews, after the crucifixion took place, if their body wasn't claimed by a family member or by a loved one, then what they would do is they would take that body down from the cross and there was a field nearby that they would just throw them in the field and let their bodies just rot in the fields. Now this was shameful, but this is how the Romans operated, right? They wanted to shame people. Verse 34. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Now remember, in order to get crucified, that person that was on the cross, his hands and his ankles would be nailed to the cross. And it was nailed to the cross with a seven to nine inch long nail. Now, imagine this. We today, if we step on a nail, just a regular nail, that's what, two, three inches. It hurts. So imagine this seven to nine inch nail being nailed on your wrist, on your hands, in your, on your feet. How much pain you would be in. So what the Romans did was this. They would nail the hands to the cross and they would nail the feet, your ankles, to the cross. Because you see what happens during a crucifixion. You're up on that cross, and as you're up on that cross for hours, it's getting harder and harder to breathe. So in order to breathe, a person would have to take their feet, their ankles, and push up on the cross. So in order for them not to push up, they would nail their feet to the cross. So really, crucifixion, you would die by suffocation. It was a painful way to die, right? So they would nail their feet straight where they couldn't pull themselves up to grab air, to have air. That's, that, that was the, the gruesome of, of crucifixion. So, in order for the, the, the Roman soldiers to, to nail a person to the cross before without them being having to fight them or you know, wrestle with them or whatever, they would give them a drink. And they offered Jesus this drink mixed with what the Bible says is called gal. Now, gal was a type of sedative. So it would make the person unconscious for a few minutes while they nailed them to the cross. So they give this to Jesus and they want Jesus to drink of it. But look what the scripture tells us. But after tasting it, so Jesus did taste it. He refused to drink all of it. And the message is this. Jesus wasn't going to lessen his pain. See, Jesus submitted totally to the Father's will as far as crucifixion. Why? Because God the Father sent him into this world to die for us, to set us free from sin, so that we can have a chance to be with him in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus totally submitted to the Father.
which means the message is for us that we should totally commit to him as well verse 35 when they had crucified him they divided up his clothes by casting lots so this says a great deal about these soldiers here so we we see here that they're more concerned about money because they're arguing about his garments because again in order to shame someone they did exactly what they did right here after Jesus died on the cross they stripped him of his clothes which means he was totally nude see they wanted everybody to see that they shamed this man called Jesus Christ they wanted everything that they could get from Jesus so they stripped him of his clothes and they cast lots the Bible says they divided up his clothes and they cast lots and this is a quote from the book of Psalms we're speaking of Psalms 22 here and this is one of the most major messianic Psalms in the book of Psalms they contain prophecies about the Messiah so again it shows us that everything Jesus did he did to fulfill scripture he did to fulfill prophecy that's why it's very important to know and understand prophecy it was already written see in the prophets said it that he would come down to earth in human form to fulfill prophecy to save all of humanity and sitting down they kept watch over him there so we can see that the Roman guards, they were, they were sitting down, they were keeping watch over Jesus. So they, they watched him until he died, but not only until he died, we're also going to see in Scripture coming up that they put a guard there even after he was buried in the tomb to secure the tomb in order that no one would take his body. And above his head, verse 37, they said, the Scripture tells us that they placed a written charge against him and they placed upon his head the charge that said, Jesus, King of the Jews. So we see here that they wrote down the reason that Jesus was crucified. And they placed it on top of his head. And it said this, King of the Jews. Now this is a messianic description. See, if we wanted to use another word besides Messiah or Christ, we would use a Greek word. And the synonym for Christ is King. So we're speaking here about the king of God's kingdom. So we're speaking here of Jesus because he came into this world to give his life as a ransom, as a gift in order that sin will be erased from our life. In other words, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have a chance. If we invite him into our lives, if we repent, we have a chance to be with him in his house in the eternal kingdom of heaven. See, one that comes to faith in Jesus the Bible says, when we repent, He remembers our sins no more. It is forgotten. It is blotted out. It is removed. So there will be no reason for God's judgment talked about in the Torah to be placed upon us. This is why the sign says, King of the Jews. Now we know according to another Bible that the Jewish leadership didn't want this to be written at all. So you might ask, why is it written? Because it's to show us, it's to reveal to us 
the conclusion of the Roman Empire was that he was indeed the king of the Jews. You see, the Roman Empire really believed this. Because we're going to talk about that and later on in this chapter. We're going to talk, we're going to see that soldiers really believed that he was the king of the Jews, that he really was the Messiah. They know that he was crucified because he was the Messiah. And why? Because this is all based upon prophecy. See, because one of the calls of the Messiah was that he had to be a suffering servant. He had to give his life as a redemption for many. To lay down his life in order that we would receive forgiveness of our sins and that we can have eternal life with him in his kingdom. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We appreciate you all tuning in, listening. We hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. Go out and be a light for someone this week. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.